0: You are listening to the Swim Not Sync Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders. For that moment in your career when the buck stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. So welcome to the latest episode of the Swim Not Sync Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders. I'm your host, James Nagel, and my guest today is Anait Pagossian. Originally from Armenia, she studied in Moscow and has worked for PepsiCo and Mondelez. She is now the HR Director at Jacobs Dowie Egberts, the coffee giant, based in Singapore, working for the APAC region. She likes to work on transformations and integrations and is not a fan of the status quo. And she brings that fresh approach to the topic of first-time leadership. So it's my pleasure to introduce Anait Pagossian. Hi, Anid.
1: Hi, James. Thanks for the introduction.
0: So, look, let's get straight to it. One of the classic dilemmas that anyone in business has is do you bet on the internal candidate that you know for good and for bad, or do you take the risk on the external candidate? So, how do you approach that question?
1: Yeah, that's indeed, uh, I think, the dilemma that we all have to face, especially working in HR, but also every leader in any organization, I think, has to make a choice uh, at least once or twice uh, in his career. I think there are factors that depend, um, there are some external factors which are beyond uh, our kind of influence. For example, some companies are more into, you know, culturally developing internal talents and then we would be more forced to look internally rather than externally. But uh, for some companies like JD, for example, we are less forcing that, but we are more um, encouraging, let's say, internal development. So we have more freedom to choose and we have more uh, factors to be considered. Also, what matters is your uh, own natural uh, inclination, right? As a leader or as an, as an HR professional, we all have a tendency or preference because of our own experiences or because of some uh, yeah, previous um, Roles that we played. So, uh, if I talk about myself, my personal preference is always uh, to explore any internal uh, talents, internal candidates for a given role, uh, and uh, objective but also subjective factors or some interest in that. Right, because whenever you bring an external uh, candidate, you are also taking certain risk on whether that would be the right match uh, culturally, professionally, whether you are fully having the picture after the assessment that you've made. So there is still a bit of a risk. Whereas with internal candidate, you can be more sure that you know the candidate, you know the strengths and the development areas, and you can put a bit more um, intentional efforts or steps in order to support that candidate in um, his uh, future success in the new role.
0: And, and I just want to pick up on what you said, inclination,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as I was thinking before the call, I even believe it's, it's a very strong bias. If I think at different times in my career, when I was making that decision, it was hardwired into me because of a recent experience or because of something that had happened. So for you, cause you're not the final decision maker, how do you open up the, let's say key decision makers eyes to what's going on in their head?
1: Mm-hmm. No, I think, yeah, that's a good one. I think indeed the natural also preference of the leader that we are hiring for, right, uh, as an HR professional that I'm working with is also very important. So in order to make this choice really um, an objective one, but also more... Um, Fact-based, I would say. Uh, The conversation that I would normally have with the leader is to put on the scale everything that we benefit from bringing an internal candidate, an exact internal candidate, because we normally know who we are aiming um, for and then what are the strengths and what are the potential gaps that we will have to work with. And the more we put this as a pros and cons versus some external candidates. And again, if it's a theoretical external candidate, it makes it a bit more difficult because you you always can picture an ideal candidate, but then making it real uh, is sometimes the struggle and finding the real match is also not always possible. So I think the more facts we bring in and the more... um, on the early stages, uh, support needs we discuss openly. So what are the tools or what are the things that we can put together already now before even appointing the person? to uh, facilitate that success, you know, and to make sure that it is all um, happening as we want it to happen. That's uh, probably what helps also the leaders to then um, think in that direction and make an informed choice. Even if the choice is eventually for the external candidate, we both feel more um, confident that this is the right choice for the moment. I'll give an example from uh, one of my recent experiences within Asia already, where we have acquired um, new business completely you know, different from what we are used to within JD as a multinational culture-wise, ways of working-wise, structured approaches-wise. When we look into the overall landscape of that business in Asia today, there are so many gaps in capabilities in various areas that it's practically impossible to um, Always only um, rely on the internal candidates because those capability gaps become so substantial. And then, if they are in multiple areas, you need to make also uh, an informed decision to bring in some external capability deliberately to close those gaps faster and to move faster with some of the development of the functional and leadership uh, areas. So that's an example where, even though I am a big fan of internal developments. I would also recommend to the leaders to go externally because we can't waste time on, um, you know, and it sounds probably a bit uh, tough, but on developing and investing into some of the individuals that potentially could play this role, but at a later stage, but for the business now, it's a more pragmatic solution to go externally.
0: I wouldn't say it's wasting time because as we all know, if you make the wrong decision, it'll take you much much more time in the long term. But that's even an interesting case, the one you bring up. Because it's not the classic case of internal-external. This is where the new person is going to be new to the environment, yeah. also new to the sort of global culture, so it has to manage both <laughs> how do they mm-hmm. adapt mm-hmm. the income and the new one. So that's maybe as tough a case as you get. Yeah. What sort of supports would you put in place for someone like that?
1: Definitely uh, support from a global headquarters um, to have uh, an internal coach or an internal, you know, uh, mentor just in order, because again, that's the specific of our organization in Asia. We are JD, but we, we are not yet JD in full. So it's really important for the people who come from external and who we want actually to build the capabilities you know, in, in the region, that they also have a um, good connection and understanding of what real JD and state culture and ways of working look like, because the impression they might get here is not yet what we want to be at the end state. So that's the support which I think is crucial, playing a crucial role because these people need to get this engagement from within as well. And then I think the other support is more Uh, within the region is also to provide all the necessary resources, because at this stage, again, within our uh, business, that's definitely something which is playing a key role. We do need to overinvest in people. And I think for external candidates, definitely onboarding proper and high quality onboarding is a big factor for the future success because the more the person can embrace and get a feeling of what this company is about on a hard side but also on a soft side uh, the better um, and the more successful the person will be.
0: So let's explore the, the whole concept of onboarding because mm-hmm. I personally have a bias on onboarding. I, I always think it's more the the limited practical, you know, getting your computer, finding out your office and all that. And, mm-hmm. and I know that you intend much more behind the comment. When does onboarding end? And how do you know, like, how do you know, okay, this person is now has, has finished phase one and is now, you know, integrated and is, is thriving. What, what, what's the formal end point in your mind?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, there is a formal endpoint, which is uh, around uh, some, you know, indeed a program of onboarding that we would normally develop. And then that would last um, on average around three months. But that's only the formal onboarding. You're right. We can't say that we tick the box and we say now, oh, now he or she has everything and he or she is equipped with all the information, with all the connections and relationships. I think for a senior leadership type of role, that's probably, it's probably around half a year that the person is then getting fully on board. Uh, I'm talking about external, of course, internal um, may definitely be faster. But uh, again, depending on how much the environment is different, how much the um, company, you know, culture is different, that could require more or less time. But Aside from the formal onboarding steps, which normally in our case, we would plan from uh, one to three months. Uh, duration, like all the stakeholders uh, meeting with the stakeholders to understand the specifics of all the businesses that you are uh, managing, you know, and um, those formal parts of the onboarding. But then besides that, there is a lot around the relationship building. There is a lot about the uh, reconsidering some of the existing processes, which is a big benefit if the person with a fresh eyes normally coming into any role can have a view on that as well. Because once this onboarding part is past, most of us will just let it go and continue doing how that was done before. Whereas within this first few months, this is where you can make a big impact and make some very significant changes uh, for, you know, for the benefits of the company, just having a fresh eyes.
0: In my own experience was always the first business review.
1: Now, mm-hmm. Clearly
0: that might happen after one month or maybe six months, depending on the yeah. cycle you're in. But there's something magical about that first business review, because you're the head of a business you're autonomous and the first business review is a real test of both the hard and the soft factors because mm-hmm. the hard factors, you know is a business performing well you know that first page <laughs> that's the easy bit but usually in a business review a smart leader will you know walk around the corridor ask the questions check mm-hmm. check check how things are going so it's a real test of everything and and that would always have been the point where if you got through your first business review it was a yep. take onboarding. I think it's helpful for people to know it's not just about getting the computer in the car, right? Yeah, it's, no, uh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. No, but that's a good way to to look into that. But yeah, you are right. Formally, that could be definitely one of uh, the milestones.
0: But I, I like what you said about the need and the value of bringing new ideas. So for someone who's coming in from outside, mm-hmm. you're only fresh once, <laughs> and if you don't come up with those fresh ideas in that first uh, first period. It's not going to come the second the second time. And, mm-hmm. and both from the asking side and the responding side, it's best to be very honest on that. So what's interesting is you're not just someone who helps first-time leaders. You've done it yourself, right? You've moved a lot in your career. So what's your own personal experience been through through all those moves? Because I'm sure that informs how you treat others.
1: You need to be really understanding what's on what's uh, coming and how do you manage that uh, in the nearest future? So not necessarily focusing on, okay, embracing that all at once, but cutting it into pieces, you know, and understanding. So what's um, the most critical for you to learn and to understand and to dive into and then prioritizing your activities going forward, your choices properly, then it can also lead you to being overwhelmed and then um, not uh, getting out of this. uh, So I think the support of the leaders, of course, is very important. So when the hiring leader is supportive, then it makes the whole thing much easier because then you can count open conversations, calling out certain things. What helped me personally is that I'm very open for the feedback both ways. So whenever I felt that I need support or that I'm actually starting to sink, I would also call it out. So that's, I think, important to have this open, transparent um, relationships in order to be able to put things as they are, not necessarily, you know, trying to Make it up as you want it to look. Uh, that's what I'm seeing often with some uh, situations when people are not that uh, open and don't have the relationships to to call out things which are not working properly. And then uh, the support is not coming on time.
0: Yeah, there's an image I use with with clients when I'm talking about that phase, which is it's like drinking from a water hose. Mm-hmm. There's so much coming in and you cannot absorb it all. Yeah. So you, you have to be very uh, deliberate about what's important and what's not. But in international environments, the issue of relationships, so often the people that recruit you or whatever, they move on. That's true. (laughs) So when you did feel like you were struggling a little bit and you put your hand up and you you asked for help, what supports were you given and what supports
1: helped more importantly? At the end of the day, uh, what helps is coaching, to be honest. And be it a coaching with your uh, internal mentors or leaders or whoever, or be it an external support, that doesn't really matter. But what matters is in, and we are talking about more more or less senior leadership roles, right? So for that level, what you need is actually another reinforcement or another encouragement or another um, open conversation to also open up their mind, either uh, encouraging leader who is there to support you. And then the coaching can come um, kind of alongside with that or with external or some other functional, you know, um, peers that can play that role. So it's very important to have somebody in the organization or outside at the moments where you struggle, especially to also help you, you know, focus on what's right, focus on what matters, find some answers to your questions. Um, yeah, that, that's what's the most powerful, to be honest. I won't be reinventing the bicycle if I tell this, but uh, even looking back into my experience, that's probably what's uh, what was helping a lot. For me, um, always more powerful, to be honest, with some internal stakeholders to who I trust and who can actually understand also better the overall environment we are in. Uh, But also, I know people who, on the contrary, don't feel comfortable with uh, sharing with people internally and prefer to have some external support and coaches or, you know, mentors outside the company to have a bit more objective. um, Well, the
0: internal-external debate on coaches is similar to the internal-external debate on candidates. It's it's never-ending. And the merits of putting in a coach proactively, Mm -hmm. so literally at the start of the transition, yeah. Or waiting until, as I call it, the first business review, decide how it's going and then put the support in. Yeah. You know, having made moves yourself, having seen lots of cases, wh- wh- where does your judgment lie?
1: Yeah, I think um there is one thing which which uh, I kind of have a very um uh, formed opinion already but the other thing which opened up actually more after uh, having some uh, conversations with you on some specific cases but also in general around this um philosophical discussion let's say. So I think for the cases where we know um in advance, you know, when we decide on some placement, be it internal or external, we know that there is a gap in certain capability or in certain area that we need to proactively support the person. Then, of course, the sooner we put that support in place, and normally we we look uh, around coaching, of course, and then we we put those um, additional measures. And the sooner we do that, I believe that helps. So we did have an example in our recent, uh, also uh, collaboration with you, right, when we said, At the very start, we will put that support and we want this um, to be already an intentional um, development from both sides, right? We understand, and that's a very open conversation, that there are some gaps which we will help you to close, but also the person appreciates that because that's an investment into his or her development, right? Now, the other part which um, I didn't think much about, and to be honest, we didn't uh, practice that in either of the companies where I work, when we hire externally or internally, move somebody who... Is actually has a, who has a proven track record, and we believe the person host is kind of ready now to take the job and has all the required uh, capabilities and uh, competences. We don't necessarily even think about putting some coach or some mentor or uh, even the support internally, as I said, with the global headquarters. Only was uh, something we started to do recently. We don't think that this is important because we believe that the person, him or herself is already capable and is hired actually to do the job, which I think is a big mistake as well, because honestly, I do think in many cases that would help to make the transition smoother or to make the onboarding less um, stressful, let's say, and to, come, to bring the output faster. That's the part where, um, again, I didn't have yet uh, an experience in that and we didn't proactively do that, but now I'm thinking about that more, even when I look for external candidates, I'm always now, um, you know, asking that question to myself, would that candidate benefit? And of course, it all depends also on the internal environment which business area we are talking about, where probably we want to put some extra effort to accelerate on certain deliverables or to make sure we are doing the right thing and there will be a guaranteed kind of output. But that's not necessarily what we uh, look into as a first thing, uh, this additional support that the people might need.
0: I always think back to you know the, the recruits I took in in my last role and I'm struck by how I was so aware of the weaknesses of the team I had Mm-hmm. And I, but without, it sounds silly to say, it, but without thinking that the external candidates had exactly the same gaps yeah. and weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. And, and that bias, no one challenged me on it. And it was something that wasn't explicit. I, I was so sort of, no, no, we need to get someone outside.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in hindsight, at least, I, I'm really sure it was the wrong decision because the cultural factors were so strong. And, and there's so many positives of, of promoting the internal talent and giving them the chance and giving them the stretch, because without that stretch, none of us would have, would have gone where we true, are. Absolutely.
1: No, but I think it's also um, what, what I've seen often managers that are more um, eager to uh, go externally are also making some choices. They they believe that it will be faster because if they bring somebody who has been there, has done this before, kind of um, will get up to speed faster in terms of the deliverables. But indeed, I think they all over- underestimate the cultural, um, Um, adaptation and some of other peculiarities of a given company. But also I think it requires much more investment sometimes to bring in an internal candidate, uh, personal investment from the manager, I mean, to bring in the internal candidate with a stretch because you need to play a bit more hand-holding role sometimes. And then not everybody is ready to to do that. So I think that's uh, also a bit of a um uh, factor that influences the decision because the belief is and i'm i'm totally with you the belief is not necessarily materializing then in reality but the belief is that the external candidate will be somebody who does not require that support and who will be actually uh, up and running from the first day
0: and i think that with the external candidate because your belief is they're ready mm-hmm. you're nearly more resistant to give them support Yes, you can, you can get to the frustration point very quickly because of the, you know, I thought I had, yeah, I thought no, I had no. the solution, and then when you're <laughs> not the solution, it goes to, <laughs> it yeah. goes ugly quickly. Especially if it's uh,
1: an expensive one, right? <laughs> then you say, "I, I invested yeah. so much."
0: <laughs> I've never, yeah. I've never seen a cheap one, right? There, there yeah. there's always, and it's more that also the cost, <laughs> the the resource cost and the time cost. When it finally dawns on you that. It was your, your choice. You're going to have to fix it. So, so it's that, maybe we say that it's onboarding takes a long time. It's a, it's a very, very, very big process. So then, then to the bonus question, which is the one I ask all guests, which is about sink or swim. So do you have a strong view on it? Has it evolved over time?
1: it's a bit two-way thing. It's not only you giving a chance and investing and developing, but that also develops you because yes, it takes a lot of more effort. It takes a lot of more courage sometimes. Whether the person, be it external or internal, swims or sinks, that's also our accountability. So it's never just the person to blame or to praise. It's always, I think, a shared accountability with the leader. So that's why it's for me, what's important is I think it's both um, sides are accountable and both sides are actually powerful to impact the output and the outcome.
0: I really like that as a, it's a shared accountability yeah yeah because the sink or swim seems like there's the person on the land and the person in the water and they're two separate things but it's it's absolutely shared so and that was a real pleasure time went very fast
1: (laughs) so thank you very much enjoyed it as well a lot thanks you've been listening to the swim not sink leadership podcast subscribe at swim dot com forward slash podcast